Welcome to How We Win, the official podcast of The Persistence. Action is the best antidote for anxiety, and there has never been a more important time to step up. Today, we mourn more tragic shootings motivated by hate and fueled by the racist rhetoric of the MAGA Republican Party. And we go inside the persistence to talk to volunteers and activists who are fighting for women's health and abortion rights. We hear from activists at the Bands Off Our Body rally in Los Angeles, including LA City Council President Nuri Martinez. And we're gonna hear from Julie Teig, an abortion rights activist in Texas who shared her personal story with unexpected results. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Mariah Craven. And And this this is is How We Win. Uh, I'm really excited for for people to hear from Julie. She's got a lot of uh, great advice for you know people who are either thinking about telling their own personal story as we we're, we're probably gonna look looking at like a long, drawn out fight when it comes to abortion rights. And uh, we talk about the importance of of telling your story and how to go about doing that. And if you don't have a story to tell, how to listen and support the people who do. Hmm. So very instructive and informative. I can't wait to hear that interview. It's really important. I'm, I'm glad you talked to her. And I am excited to hear the the sound that you got from the demonstrations in LA. You know, I was I was parenting on my own this past weekend, mm-hmm. and my child still isn't vaccinated. Just a mm. friendly reminder that. There's a whole portion of the population that aren't. So we we didn't go to any of the big crowded events this weekend. And Trump was in in Austin um, oh. on the same day as the bands off our bodies march. And I just it, it wasn't clear how all of that was going to go down. It was all within a, a very short distance of each other. Sounds like a bunch of excuses to me, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, of course. I'm kidding. Well, listen, I mean, like, this is the focus of our our show today Mm -hmm. is that um, our country is in it and has been in a prolonged period of tension and anxiety. And we don't know where the where people are going to snap. And that's what we saw happen in Buffalo this weekend. A, A young man who was exposed to a whole lot of racist rhetoric mm-hmm. and internalized it, uh, snapped and, and murdered 10 people, 10, 10 black people at a grocery store in a racially motivated attack. So um, I don't think it's, you know, fear mongery to say, I think we're all hyper vigilant right now about who, who is around us and, and what they're consuming and, and what the results of that is. Absolutely. And um, that racist uh, indoctrination that he got, you know, used to be harder for people to come by. You know, they would have to Mm -hmm. find it in the far corners of the web, the dark web and message boards. But now uh, they're getting it fed to them from Tucker Carlson and from Fox News. And um, it's staggering. I'm so angry about it. I, I continue to be so angry it feels like we're going backwards on so many things. We're going backwards on uh, abortion rights, on uh, women's health, on women's autonomy. We're going mm-hmm. backwards on gun laws. I mean, we used to actually have 
an assault weapons ban that um, was not mm-hmm. renewed. We used to have a ban on, on high-capacity magazines, and we've gone backwards on that. Every time something like this happens, I get infuriated, and I feel hopeless, and I feel apathetic, and I know that you know I can't live in that place because that's what fascism feeds on, um, and that's where it thrives when you, when you feel like there's nothing that you can do. And, uh, and there is stuff that we can do. And I was so inspired. Uh, I'm excited for people to hear these interviews. I, I was, as you mentioned, in Los Angeles in front of City Hall and, and backstage talking to people at the Bands Off Our Bodies. And I'm kind of tipping my hat into my reasons for hope. But, you know, seeing all of the people out there, you know, really brilliant activists, motivated, still there, still, you know, inspiring people into action and organizing, um, that really gave me a lot of hope. And, um, you know, of course, came home to the news about the uh, the Buffalo shooting, uh, which was just devastating. Where You and I were talking a little bit before we started the show about this uh, – inflection point we are uh, in as a, as a country. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there's been times in our history that have, I'm sure, felt this way. But uh, I, I really feel like we're at a tipping point, And I, I pray that we tip the right way. But, uh, you know, prayers aren't, aren't going to be enough. We have to show up. We have to bring people to the polls. We have to elect representatives that are protecting women's health, that are, you know, uh, helping uh, pass common sense gun laws. Now, these are two issues that are like 80%, 90% of the country issues. We have to get out from the st- under the stranglehold of this hateful MAGA, you know, minority that is really taken our country hostage. And we do that by expanding our, our majority in the Senate and then finally passing some legislation through the Senate, which it's been difficult to do. So it just all feels daunting. But, you know, what's our choice? What, you know, we're not we're not looking back. We're not we're not sitting down. Um, We are the persistence. If you uh, if this week, uh, this last couple of weeks hasn't motivated you to get up and volunteer and donate to a candidate or uh, or do something, I don't know what will. I'm I'm, I don't know why I'm being mean to our listeners right now because I know that they're all doing <laughs> doing stuff. But um, it's a dark time. It's a, that was a rant. I ranted a little bit, but um, <clears throat> as you just say, thanks for joining us this week, everyone. <laughs> we'll be back next week. You gave us the overview and our marching orders. <laughs> um, I just wanted to, you know, uh, as we're recording this, Joe Biden is speaking in Buffalo. I'm sure he's going to point out many of the things that that you pointed out, a need for, you know, common sense gun gun laws and condemning white supremacy. Um, I also wanted to just flag that, you know, activists in Buffalo ahead of his visit were organizing and, and planning what to ask the president for. Um, and some of the things that they've said are declaring a state of emergency in, in their city and not just, you know, condemning white supremacy, but saying like it exists in our country. Uh, we're complicit in allowing it to go on. And here's our long-term plan for addressing it. And then finally, you know, saying that part of this, part of the the problem that this highlights is um, deep-rooted systemic racism that created a situation where there was one grocery store in the black community that served that served most of the black community in Buffalo. And now most people 
physically and psychologically aren't going to be able to shop there again. Mm. And so where, you know, where in their community can they get safe, healthy food to eat? And that is a huge problem that, um, you know, one grocery store serving a, a massive portion of the community and it put targets on, on their backs and, and now they don't have that anymore. Um, we're going to touch on this again in a couple minutes, but also shootings in Dallas targeting Asian run businesses. There was just an arrest in that after um, three women of Korean descent were shot um, in a salon. And then of course the other weekend shooting at the church in Orange County, mm -hmm. um, which police are calling a politically motivated hate incident. The parish, the worshipers there were targeted uh, because they were ta Taiwanese. Right. Um, so um, we have a we have a huge problem that we are aware of. I don't think the entire country is willing to acknowledge this. If if that was the case, then we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't get so much pushback against just the mere idea of something like critical race theory. Um, I also right. wanted to flag that the Anti Defamation League tracks murders committed in the U.S. by political extremists. In the last decade, right-wing extremists have committed 75%. 75% of political murders in this country. Islamic extremists were responsible for 20%. Left-wing extremists were responsible for 4%. And this is not I'm not trying to politicize anything and, and it's make just an, the facts versus the thing. It's the facts. And it's time if you are on the right and you look at these numbers, it's time for you to say what is happening here. What what are like the Elise Stefanics of the world who mm -hmm. at one point seemed reasonable, but are leaning into all of this language to accumulate power? Like they've got to ask themselves what what they're doing and who they're throwing their hat in the ring with. Yeah, I um, that the New York Times put that, I saw that this morning too, and I was glad that you talked about it. Um, it's it's just the, the fact that right-wing extremist violence is, is our biggest threat right now. And it's terrifying when you see more Republicans uh, running on hate. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I talk about Dan Pfeiffer a lot because I think he's right about a lot of things. And, and he had a newsletter this morning uh, where he was critical of the media. He's often critical of the media, as, as you know, he should be. Um, for uh, now that we're in the middle of primary season, um, for leaning into like the Trump, like what is this doing for Trump and Trump's popularity and all that, when really it's Trumpism that is still strong, not necessarily Trump himself. And then mm -hmm. I'll take it a, a step further. You know, when Trump came on to the scene, he grabbed on to the, you know, grand old party's roots by courting white nationalists, by pretending he didn't know David Duke and, and, uh, and being okay with the KKK's endorsement of his campaign. He's never had any policies of his own. He's just used the Republican playbook of hate and blame and straight up racism, but he did it in such an overt way that he really pulled the covers off of what a lot of people knew the Republican Party's was running on for a long time. Thankfully, I'm seeing some Republicans. I have to say, I, I, I really, um, as much as I don't want to sing Liz Cheney's 
you know, uh, praises for the right. votes and actions she's done in the past. She really has stepped up. You, Republicans are afraid to not go 100% down with hate, with blame, with all of the, the, the Elise Stefanics. You talked about how she was, you know, sort of normal at one point and now has gone off the deep end. They're getting death threats from constituents. They're getting so much aggressive actions from this violent right-wing extremist. They're terrified to even uh, admonish white nationalism. And uh, as as a result of that, they're just going farther and farther down this MAGA wormhole, and um, and this is what the Republican Party is right now. And I don't think it's really even about Trump. Um, you can call it Trumpism, but it's uh, it's the worst of the Republican Party. And and Liz Cheney, man, she, you know she is really brave to condemn and to come out. And uh, and I mean she's seen it. She's she's been on the uh, January sixth commission. She's seen all the evidence. She knows what the GOP's rhetoric has led to and how dangerous it is and it's literally killing people so i'll 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 give her some some love for for that uh i i think that's appropriate i do think you're being overly generous by you know saying that you know some of these folks are being bullied by the loud more aggressive members of of their faction to take more extreme stances, you know, either you agree with it or you, first of all, I think it's less that they're being bullied and more that, that they're, uh, uh, you know, full on doing a power grab. Doing, yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's raising them money. It's, it's giving them influence. Um, uh, when Elise Stefanik was a, a moderate, she didn't have as much power as she did in the party. She wasn't raising as much money. Um, so, you know, that's one thing. The other thing is if you truly feel that an idea or a belief is completely wrong or abhorrent, you're certainly not going to, you're not going to say it if, if you believe that it's harmful. Um, if you think like, maybe this isn't true, but it's going to raise me a lot of money. So I'll just say that there's that that's problematic thinking as well. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so now you're um, being generous with the way you describe that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just say you don't care about minorities and <laughs> right. Call um, it a day. Take your money. Call it a day. <sighs> so anyway, the other big thing happening today: primary season is in full swing. Big races as we're recording this in Pennsylvania and mm -hmm. North Carolina. Also, of course, Idaho, Kentucky, and Oregon. Um, Pennsylvania, though, has an open Senate seat. So that's getting a lot of play on from both parties. And then in North Carolina, um, you know, Republican Congress member Madison Cawthorn um, facing some tough competition from his own party. I think this is only worth mentioning because he's one of the occupants of a clown car full of weirdo, yeah. you know, Republican, <laughs> new, new, new Republicans. Um, and they, it appears that they've turned on him. And I do wonder if, you know, if they're successful, if the Republican establishment is su successful, will we see this uh, play out in, in other States in other places with, other clowns. <laughs> the, yeah, the clown car of, you know, the primaries are definitely 
Way more interesting watching the Republican primaries than the Democratic primaries. But yes, Pennsylvania. It's a good thing. It is a good thing. And uh, and Pennsylvania is a seat that, a Senate seat that we must take. That's really, right. uh, that's really important. So of course we're watching that. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about this week's Hero of the Week. Why don't you tell us about Dr. John Cheng? Yes. You mentioned the shooting uh, in Orange County in Laguna Woods um, at, at a church. Dr. John Chang was uh, one of the victims and um, the only one as of now who was killed. Um, he saved the lives of everyone in that congregation by um, he saw the shooter had a gun and he ran and tackled him and mm. got shot and killed, but was able to um, stop him long enough uh, for the pastor to throw a chair on him and other parishioners to to stop him. And he sacrificed himself to to save everybody in that church. He was there taking his mom to church and uh, to this event. He leaves behind two teenagers and a wife. And um, if there's a, a better definition of a hero, of someone who did mm -hmm. such a selfless and brave act, I don't know. But uh, what's more to say about Dr. John Chang? Um, you are a hero. You saved the lives of those parishioners and, um, and you are our hero of, of the week. Uh, Steve, thank you for, for bringing us um, that story. And my, my heart is just with that church and his family. Yes, absolutely. Hard to move on from that, but, um, you know, this, this work that we have, it's, it's all part, it's all part of the same ecosystem. Um, if we're going to defeat the things that the evil that leads to moments like this, then um, then there's work that we have to do um, in our own communities and, and across the country. So um, let's talk about electing some folks who are going to enact common sense gun laws that make it so that uh, church members don't have to uh, fight to get out of the building. Right. Um, uh, the, the first thing we want to talk about is something we've talked about on the show in the past. That's the How We Win Fund mm -hmm. um, with Swing Left that is going to go to candidates for office that Swing Left has identified um, and vetted as being key races in key places. We're going to have a link in the show notes mm -hmm. for this podcast. You can also go to swingleft.org slash fundraise slash how we win. And um, you'll be able to join all the other listeners there that have donated. Thank you to everyone who um, gave when we first started asking. Um, we really appreciate you. Now let's join these folks and, and, and support candidates across the country. It's it's been great. It's so important. This is a really great fund. All the money goes directly to these candidates, and um, 
you guys have been amazing so far. We did sort of a soft launch of it, and then we launched last week on the Daily Beans uh, podcast. And in a bigger way, we are partnering with some other podcasts and on our MSW Media Network to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just in a couple of days from launching, we already have a few thousand dollars raised. You know, wow. so you guys are stepping up, and you understand this moment. Um, but you know, like Mariah says, I'm just going to echo it. Uh, we need to support candidates who are, you know, fighting for women's autonomy, who are fighting for abortion rights, who are fighting against the gun lobby, who are, you know, you know fighting for common sense gun legislation, who are fighting for our environment, who are fighting for racial justice, who are fighting for voting rights, uh, who are fighting for all the things that are under attack from this MAGA Republican Party. Um, And I've been leaning into the MAGA Republican Party because, uh, you know, Biden told me to. So um, anyway, (laughs) once again, that's swingleft.org slash fundraise slash how we win Make a donation now, early and often. That early money really, really helps. Um, We also invite you to join our subscriber drive. So, um, (laughs) so, um, you know, we hope that you find this podcast to be inspiring and informative and motivating. And uh, we want other folks to join you. So make sure that you share this. I always like to text a link to somebody that I meet out in public or a friend who wants to know what can I, what can I do? Just some random person you meet in public. You're like, Hey, can I have your phone number? I want to text you something. I mean, I mean, I would, I would be be like, sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We have a conversation. I introduced the idea of the podcast. Although that's, that would be a tactic. Just walk up to people. Can I have your number? Be like, Trip by trip. <laughs> no problem. No, it's it's uh, we really appreciate it. again. Uh, our uh, you guys have been stepping up on this, and and uh, we've seen some nice bumps the last couple of weeks since we started our subscriber drive. And uh, as you know, the whole point of this show is to get more people into action in this pivotal election. That's how we win. We win when everyone gets involved. We get more people involved than we were overcome all the obstacles that we have in front of us. So thank you, thank you. Please share this show and uh, and let's blow it out of the out of the let's blow it up. Let's what's the phrase? Let's get. Come on, you're supposed to be cooler than me because you're younger. I have no idea what you're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got the drip. Get swaggy. Shoot out the link. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I don't, Thank you. I don't know. I don't know what any of that means, but it sounds great. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> I've been spending time on TikTok. What can I say? <laughs> um, up next, I spoke with a Texas woman who has become a, an abortion rights activist after deciding to share her personal story in a very public way. And then after that, You'll hear my behind-the-scenes look at the Bands Off Our Bodies march in Los Angeles, including uh, a great interview with City Council President Nuri Martinez. And then our reasons for hope.
Julie Teig is a mother of five who recently shared her personal abortion story during a demonstration in Austin after the leaking of a Supreme Court draft opinion that would have overturned Roe versus Wade. I first saw Julie on the local news and then in a Facebook group I'm a member of where she was posting about the fallout from sharing her story. We invited Julie on how we went not just to talk about her abortion experience, but to tell us what it was like to share something personal as a way to mobilize and influence us. Uh, Julie, thank you so much for A, speaking out. I, I can't imagine uh, what that that felt like, but then also being here to, to dive a little bit deeper into what that experience was like. Yeah, of course. I'm very happy to be here. And I want to thank you for inviting me. Um, I do think it is very important to begin speaking out loudly and proudly about this issue, which is why I did it. Mm. And for being candid, I never told anybody about my abortion by choice stories. I've had two abortions by choice uh, with medication and surgical in my life at various times. Um, the news said I was a teenager, but that was... Um, and liberties they took. That's not actually accurate. Mm. I, uh, a young woman, uh, the first time, and the first time I had an abortion was the abortion pill or the, the combo of the two medications. And I was young. I was around 20 or 21. Um, I was between relationships, uh, kind of a party animal young lady. And uh, I had experienced a sexual assault. Mm. Uh, so without even pregnancy Sorry. confirmation, just knowing that my period was late, I spoke with somebody at a hospital that I worked at. I worked at a hospital and she was like, hey, there's a way that you can just handle this. And this is the medication that you need to take. And it was, it was a relief. It was amazing. I'm grateful for it. And I never had a regret. Mm -hmm. And then another time in my life. So I do have five kids. And that's another thing that kind of the, the fallout from being on the media, people just uh, assume about you. I do have five children mm -hmm. from my first marriage three from a second marriage. And I had an abortion between the two because I needed to raise my kids. And for a while I was a single mom and that one too was very liberating. And I was so grateful to have the opportunity to take my reproductive life and my ability to work and take care of the children that I had to pay a mortgage and to be a functional member of society. I needed to do that in order to continue on the trajectory where I am today, which is married, um, I'm returning to school, law school at this point, because I think oh, wow. there's a need. So uh, not only having five kids and being an activist, and my husband is an entrepreneur, and I help mm -hmm. him with business, I'm now going back to school to try to fight this, um, because I see a huge hole in um, the ability that, to create law. And people are scared to stand right. up and defend themselves. And I, I know firsthand how that feels. I was, like you said, on the news. And um, felt a lot of pushback. I've been doxxed. I've been messaged on my cell phone, text messages that I never knew. Just you know, I don't know. How Strangers reaching out to you yep. because they saw you. And yep. what it was? What was that like? Uh, it's name calling, profanities, just in my text. You know, I I don't want to mm hit -hmm. any merit here, but just the names that people typically right. say. <laughs> Learn and I mean, how to close your legs type of stuff that's coming from the news. And it's absurd. I just spoke up about an opinion and I got doxxed, essentially. Um, that sounds both terrifying and infuriating. It is both. Um, do you, did you regret 
speaking up and, and telling your story and being so public about it? Yeah, I'm, I'm terrified still. And I feel like the more that I speak out, uh, the more people are going to push back. Mm. But that is how they get the upper hand on you is because it's hard and it's scary and people can't wrap their heads around a country that does things like forced pregnancy tests or make women take IUDs out. And that concerns me because these are things that are being written into bills already. And these things creep up on us because people are like, well, I didn't speak out because I didn't think that this was serious. It sounded so crazy. Mm. And we're there, you guys. (laughs) The craziness is coming to fruition. Oh man, you're repeating something that I have said on on many episodes um, in the past. I, you know, one of the things that struck me about your story is this um, challenge that I think that we have when talking about abortion um, is um, obviously in, you know, we always use cases of rape and incest as as the bar that, you know, is particularly horrifying and it absolutely is. And anyone should be able in those situations to get an abortion. Um, and you, unfortunately, and I'm so sorry to hear about your assault, had was, were in that position. Um, but also we have to normalize that you should be able to get an abortion simply because you don't want to become a mother at this particular point in time or can't. And uh, that's one of the many things that I so appreciated about uh, you sharing. And it's, it doesn't have to be a shameful thing. The right. more I'm talking to people and even uh, those that will say are on the other side of the aisle, I'm trying really hard to not adhere to any sort of ideology anymore because I'm really just kind of shug up about the thing. But you hear mm. people from across the aisle, so to speak. I've had so many women reach out to me that say, thank you. I have to hide this mm. from my family. They can never know. And I am sitting here dying on the inside because I'm watching wow. you and activist and I agree with you and I can't say anything. I'm actually more trapped than you. And so it's really important for us as liberal women, as us getting labeled loudmouths and, you know, you talk too much and, and the things that people will say to women to remember that that is rooted in patriarchal oppression. It really is. And there is a lot of times where you can find yourself very angry, especially at women or female presenting people that are on the other side of the aisle are Republicans. And you have to remember that sometimes some of these people are scared to speak up and we have to remain their voice without being mad at them. Um, and that, that's a trap wow. that I fell into. I, I tangled with a counter protester and, and I, I'm, I'm here to say it feels good in the moment, but it's not going to help our cause. Hmm. What happened? Um, I mean, allegedly there was a counter protester Kind mm-hmm. of, this person works with InfoWars, very aggressively putting papers of fetuses in my face. And they don't want to sit and talk about like gestational period or what that actually means. And sometimes people can get upset and just kind of throw those signs right at, someone, <laughs> at someone's face. And uh, that does not bode well for the cause, especially when that is caught on camera, which it is. So now I'm an InfoWars meme these days, which I'll take it. I'll oh take it. Are women alone? <laughs> um, well, you know the only the only way uh, you know you're what I feel like you're saying is um, you spoke up. You're encouraging other people who feel comfortable to speak up. The only way that we can normalize this and, and destigmatize it is by talking about it 
frequently and, and matter of factly and and having more people who have had similar experiences talk about it. Do you have any advice for somebody who is maybe thinking about sharing their own personal story about how to approach it and how to prepare? I do. I do. And I wish that I would have done this. So this is mm -hmm. what I learned the hard way. Write it down. Write mm -hmm. down why it was important to you. Try to remember your feelings at the time. If you felt relief from an abortion, write it down, say it. If you feel a deep sadness, admit it. Like we have to start talking about this. Mm. And then we have to be a more solution-driven collective of progressive thinkers is something that I've kind of been toying with. We have to know what happens in our system when we are getting trampled on. Like, what do we do? What is the recourse when the SCOTUS seems corrupt? And to me, and kind of discussing things with lawyers and paralegals that I'm friends with, there are ways to stand up for yourself in a society as a collective. You just have to start talking about it. Jury nullification is one of these things. If we've already had a woman arrested in Texas, in the Valley. Mm -hmm, you know, right. we already see it. It's happening. We have to be willing to, when we get called to jury duty, sit on that jury and just say, no, the law is unjust. And we have to know that that is a solution. People will say, vote, 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 vote. I am in a position where I'm worried about voting because for 50 years, both sides have had the chance to codify this for uh, women and it hasn't been done. So we have to continue to push, not only vote, but let your leaders know why you are voting for them and hold them accountable. Like our job is not done when we elect an official that agrees with us. Right. Our job continues with letters, phone calls. You have to remain that thorn in their side because this system, this is an avalanche. And so if you don't remain loud, then they will just shut us up. Mm. Um, one of the interesting things that I, I've heard you um, mention is, um, you know, even aside from like basic bodily autonomy, human rights, the law type stuff, you've also taught, had like an interesting perspective about um, how the separation of church and state is needs to be a part of all of this as well. Can you talk a little it bit about that? It really does. Um, I find that important because as, you know, my husband is an attorney. I am his paralegal sometimes when, <laughs> you know, when the text, right? Um, but I am back in law school. So I'm doing a lot of baseline studying and my eyes have been really open to the way that we make laws in this country is not, oh, there's a law, it's codified. That's not really how it works. We operate on a system of the common law and case precedent. So when Justice Alito pens an opinion that will become case precedent, that we can just go overturning laws and he's citing 16th century fascists, mm -hmm. Catholic, I'm sorry, Catholics, I have so many different friends. My husband's family is Catholic. They, they are still very pro-choice. But when we're citing these people and we're setting a case precedent, mm -hmm. what that does is it creates a pathway to remove more laws for the same reason. So what Justice Alito has cited is that Abortion was illegal in the common law far longer than it was legal. So we need to revert to back, back to that. So basically what that means is every civil liberty in our country was illegal in the common law for much mm. longer than it was, you know, loving. Will they overturn interracial marriage? Will they do right. that? It sets the president for that. Will they overturn Oberfeld? Right. Marriage equality. I mean, it sets the pathway for that. This is how you erode. And in my opinion, and believe me, this is just my opinion, the arist aristocracy that basically controls everything doesn't really care how they get the pathway in. 
to kind of oppress the voters who really care. You know, we have to kind of support each other. And this is, this is a bipartisan issue. This is, it's not just Democrats that get abortions. I'm sorry, it isn't. Um, So when we're looking at case precedent, we can't let this slide. We have to remain loud. And this is going to be a hard one to claw back up. We are definitely in a much more steep uphill battle than we even were before. Yeah, I, um, I know that that's on a lot of people's mind, the question of, you know, does this open the door to taking away other rights that we fought so hard for and celebrated so much and, and seem like common sense? Um, unless, unless you're, you're from, you're, you're living in like the 15, 1600s and, <laughs> and are, are terrified of witches and, uh, and, and abortion and, and all of that antiquated stuff. Um, what do you anticipate is, is going to be the outcome of, of all of this action in the coming months? In the coming months, I, I don't really see good things happening. So um, really quick, aside from my abortions by choice, because I didn't want to mother those children. Um, I also, when I was married, and this is only a few years ago, in 2017, I planned to have one more baby with my husband. I got some baby fever and we planned a baby. We named him and I got to about 23 weeks and my baby died for reasons that we don't know. And I had to be given misoprostol several doses <laughs> to uh, help me expel my child, but also to stop hemorrhage because that's another thing that this medication is for. Mm-hmm. And um, in the coming months, I'm going to see this medication harder to get. Right. Women in a situation like that, someone that wanted to be a mom to a child that loved and named and prepared for a baby, losing them, but then also losing their life because of a complication. And obstetric complications are vast. There's no way for someone that's not an obstetrician and not like in in that job every day, seeing the nuance and the rare things and the difficult things that could happen that are cured by simple drugs and simple procedures. You know, it's uh, our anatomy is actually a brutal place. Mm. We need to have the reverence for that and understand that in this time of modernity, we have medication and we have procedures. It's called abortion that actually save women's life. Like on my medical chart, if you pulled it right now, I went in with a fetus that had expired, but it was called an abortion. Right. And if I had not have that, they would, you know, give me some pain medicine, let me be in a room and hope for the best. And I would have died. And this is what we are going to see. This is what it's going to take to wake people up. And the problem is, is that more privileged people, more wealthy people are going to be like, wait a minute, but this shouldn't apply to me. This, this, you know, we wanted our baby. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to apply to everyone. And I see a great deal of despair and sorrow that was unnecessary being the catalyst that's going to wake us up to start having a discussion. But I don't think we're going to be able to continue without losing very precious women and girls. And you'll have to excuse me. Um, It just really hits close to home because I had my family in the room experiencing that with me. And I can't imagine the shock or loss of somebody. I have uh, sisters, I have a daughter and they're young. My sisters are quite a bit younger than me. They're 20 years younger than me. And I can't imagine being in a room and feeling that helpless. And these are the stories that are going to begin to surface. And it's terrifying and it's unnecessary. And we don't have to do this. Um, Julie, thank you so much for sharing your story here, um, but also um, 
in places that are are not welcoming. I've I've started referring to Texas as a place that is openly hostile towards people who can get pregnant, and we're seeing more and more states moving in that direction and the bravery that it takes to just be a person who can get pregnant in these places and speak out um, about your experiences is just uh, tremendous. So um, thank you so much. Best of luck in law school. Um, stay safe and, uh, and and take care of your family. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I hope that as we progress through what's going on right now, I get some more support with being organized. And mm -hmm. um, just if there's anybody that needs to reach out to someone, if they need help with obstetric issues, like reach out, reach out to a friend, reach out to me. Like there's, there's got to be some solutions here and we must lean on each other and we must help each other and we have to be brave now and do things that maybe are a little bit more bold than we thought we were capable of. But that's how we maintain our freedom. What a powerful interview. Thanks again to Julie for taking the time to share her story. Uh, so grateful to you, Mariah, for getting that interview with her. Um, now we're going to hear from some people who are standing up for our democracy, who are standing up for their rights and for the rights of others at the Bands Off Our Bodies rally in front of City Hall in Los Angeles. What's your name? Uh, Shay. And uh, where are you from, Shay? I'm from LA. Okay, and what's your sign say? Uh, it says uh, bodily autonomy for women and girls. And have you come to rallies and marches before? Uh, yes, I have. And what does it feel like for you right now to be part of yet another march for this issue? I mean, I, it makes me upset because this is something that I would protest a lot about when I was in high school, and it just makes me sad that I have to come out and do it again. Uh, my entire life, you know, women's bodily autonomy has been guaranteed by the government. Um, but it just makes me really sad that we're starting to roll back the rights of women and girls and their right to be able to choose. So what does your sign say, first of all? The sign says, remember her in November and vote. And it's a, a graphic of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Who we really, really miss now. And your t-shirt too, I love. I have, it's just, you know, unfortunately we've been marching for years now. So this is a t-shirt I got that says, nevertheless, she persisted. This is from the last march. It's a coat hanger that says, warning, this is not a surgical instrument. And then I'm wearing a Planned Parenthood button that I can't actually read if you're going to broadcast this somewhere. I'll read it for you. It says, don't fuck with this. Don't fuck without us. Hell yeah. That's perfect. And and yeah, and this is uh, to be doing this again. You mentioned this is a, a T-shirt that you had from a previous march. Here you are marching again. Uh, my wife, we've we've never lived uh, in a time when we didn't have access to women's a, a right to women's health care and abortion. So it's a sort of dumb question to ask. But how does it feel to be here right now? Well, we were. Um 
by the time we were old enough to get pregnant, abortion was a legal right. So we have also not known a time when it was not uh, legal. However, we do remember stories of our older sisters and our mothers and our aunts and just before us who, who didn't have this right or in other countries where this did. And it was dangerous and horrible and shameful and my and we do went not to want to go back to get an abortion in, in her in her day. You said your aunt went to Mexico to get an abortion in her day. And it was very scary. And she was all alone because she couldn't tell anybody. Um, it's that's what we're going to go back to. And uh, people need to understand that. It's exhausting to be in this country at this time and feel like we're just spinning our wheels backwards when other countries in the world are finally recognizing that women should determine what happens to their own bodies and they're moving forward. And we've been, um, you know, hijacked by the Christian religious right. Because frankly, it's not all religions. In Judaism, life begins at the moment of the first breath. Not that that's really even an issue because I think you could take when life begins out of the argument. It's our bodies. It's our choice. It's Groundhog Day. It's over and over and we're tired of it. And it's interesting, the people that are against this don't want to then support those children when they're born. They're talking out of both sides of their mouth. It's wrong. And you guys all talked about how it's happening again and again and it's Groundhog Day and and, you know, we see the rise of authoritarianism, of fascism in our country, and it feeds off of apathy. It feeds off of despair, right? But you guys aren't at home right now pulling the covers over your head. You're here at this march, and you're wearing a T-shirt that says, nevertheless, she persisted. So I assume you all continue to persist, and you're all going to vote and bring people with you to the polls and help make sure that we elect people who are actually protecting our rights and not trying to take them away. Is that right? It's never been more important to vote. If you are especially a Gen Zer, if you are 18 to 25, you better get your butts to the polls and vote or you will not have any rights. Awesome. We're not gonna, we're not gonna stop ever. It's so. a shame we have to be put in this position to have to keep doing this. We shouldn't have to be, but we are. So we will. So in that spirit, fuck CODIS, CODIS, fuck the Republicans, fuck the motherfucking patriarchy! In fact, for all of those who want to take away our basic human rights from now on, just go fuck yourselves! Amy Wawuga. Powerhouse activists backstage at the Bands Off Our Bodies rally. We're here once again, my friend, in front of City Hall. How are you feeling? I'm just annoyed we have to do this again. I walked in and I, I don't get me wrong, I love the pussy hats, but the pussy hats kind of triggered me. I, I thought we were past this. I thought we did our work, but I guess our work never ends. Yeah, we must persist. And of course, we have primaries coming up and then uh, the midterms. Uh, do you think this is going to change anything? Does it change anything about the work that you're doing? I'll tell 
tell you this. I hear a lot of cynicism out there, but um, people are sick of chaos, right? People don't want chaos in office. So we know what to do. We know if we, we talk to each other, if we talk to our neighbors, if we hit the streets, if we get the work done knocking on the doors, because that's what it is, knocking on the doors and talking to our neighbors. That's what will get it done. If we're committed to that, I, 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 I know I know we can we can bring this midterm home. I know we can keep keep, keep the House and, 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 and the Senate. I'm confident we just have to do the work. Okay, I'm here backstage uh, with a bunch of volunteers. It's a family affair. We have some uh, a mother-daughter team here. Can I? Can you tell me your ages, please? Let's. We'll start with Shauna. Oh, awesome. I'm Shauna Dalton, and I'm fifty something. <laughs> I'm Faith, and I'm sixteen. I'm Clover, and I'm fifteen. I'm Aubrey, and I'm fourteen. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much for volunteering at this amazing event. I'm sorry you had to volunteer at this event. Uh, what does it mean for you to be here? I think it's really important to like be here to stand up for human rights and I think that it kind of feels like we're going backwards and it it's uh, kind of scary which is why I'm here because I don't want I don't want to go backwards. And I think we have to do all we can and not stay silent and that's really the most important thing right now. Yeah. I'm just like scared for the future like if I like have kids, are they gonna like live in a terrible like environment? Like I'm just, I don't know. Like I'm just scared for like everyone in the future. Cause like, if we're going, if we're like doing this right now, then how is the future gonna be? And as a parent, what does it mean for you to be here? You're the parent of two uh, beautiful young women, uh, and and you like myself, grew up, not uh, not having to worry about you know your reproductive choices. So what does it feel like for you to be here right now? It's a kind of a dumb question, but go ahead. It's a crazy question is what it feels like. I can't believe that I have to stand here with my 16-year-old daughter to defend our bodies. I cannot believe I'm living in a time when I'm looking at a Supreme Court that is willing to take away my rights when they don't even share my body parts. How can they dictate what I have to do with my body? It, it is really disturbing to me so that's why i'm here so you guys all kind of talked a little bit about how worried you are for the future i'm really sorry about that like you're inheriting a lot of work to do on the environment now fighting for your rights for your autonomy um but every week we ask people what gives you hope and it's always almost always young people it's people like you who are showing up and standing up for yourselves and making your voices heard and volunteering at events like this. So it's really heartening to me to see you all stepping up in this moment. It does give me hope. Um, is that something that you want to continue doing in the future? How do you feel about like volunteering? And none of you guys can vote yet, right? So, uh, so what, how do you feel about, how does it make you feel to be part of this? I think that volunteering at this age is really the most important thing that we can do. Um, especially because we can't vote and I do think it is a lot of pressure because a lot of adults are saying how we are the future and that's a lot of pressure to put on a bunch of teenagers but I think I think it's really important for everyone to just most important thing probably stay educated and be involved with everything um, I I think that I have like because I'm not able to vote because we're not able to vote yet I think the most important thing to do is to sign petitions and go to rallies and 
peaceful protests and all this stuff so that we can do as much as we can. And I know that like once I'm able to vote, I, I like I, I just think that young people that are able to vote that choose not to, I just I don't really like it just that that's the things that give me something that's like fear. But then I see all the people that are like excited to vote like me and I see like so many people like more people voting in one election than they did in the last and that that's the type of thing that gives me hope. So as much as I have fear, there's also like there's also like a lot of hope for uh, younger people, like I guess like people like my age and stuff. Well, you guys are right. It's we put too much on you. And with the pandemic and everything that you all have gone through in the last few years to have to deal with this, it's too much. So I just want to say thank you. You guys are incredibly brave and incredibly resilient young women. So thank you. And we're going to do our best to uh, make sure we elect people who are protecting your rights, not trying to take them away. And I can't wait till you and your whole generation is old enough to vote, because I think that's when we're really going to see the tide turn. Here with Los Angeles City Council President Nuri Martinez. Nuri, thank you. Well, I was just saying the last time I saw you and talked to you was backstage at an event in front of City Hall for the Women's March, and here we are again. Um, we've got to stop doing these, right? Well, unfortunately, I think we have no choice but to continue to organize and organize one of the largest uh, women marches I think in the country today to speak up against this this potential ban in the coming months you know it's I never thought in my life that I would ever be fighting for something like this I'm 48 years old so uh, you know Roe vs. Wade has always been part of my life right. um, and so to think about it it just um, being banned and that my daughter would live in a country where um, you know the rights of women would just be discarded this way is is I told you earlier, it's just so depressing and so infuriating. And as a young person, I used to pass out condoms. I was 15 years old and I would pass out condoms as my job at San Fernando High School. I was a peer educator. It was the um, height of the AIDS epidemic mm. in the 90s. Right, right. And we would do this outreach and talk to other peers, particularly in the Latino community, talk about safer sex and access to you know, legal and safe abortions in our in our in our community, and we were doing this at a time where that was controversial. Even out passing out condoms, we've got states talking about even banning condoms right. altogether. Yeah, I mean, we're taking huge steps backwards, and it's terrifying. As a young person, I'm just very blessed that I got uh, that I, I I have very progressive Latino parents, immigrant parents who came to this country with nothing but always knew that the rights of young women and of young people were important. And so growing up in an environment like that, in a household that, that, that was very much pro-choice in my family, both my parents were, and we fought with the Catholic Church sometimes on this issue, but I was out there organizing for my peers so that we would not get infected with STDs or HIV and die from AIDS and so on. And now I look back and that's almost 30 years ago. And now we're here where we're having to fight for the rights of women all over again. And, and talk about the importance of, of uh, Roe versus Wade, and it's terrifying. Uh, I told you earlier, we need to get out and organize red states because we've got to change the political landscape in this country. 
People, women of color showed up for this country in 2020. We've got to show up for them. Do you think this issue will? You mentioned, first of all, how old is your daughter? My daughter is now 13 years old. 13, right. She's paying attention, and now she's, uh, we talk about safer sex. We talk about all these conversations we need to have with our teens. And uh, not all her friends. Does she listen, or does she give you no, a mom? No, actually, no, actually. I'm so, you know, what I'm so proud is that um, my daughter is informed because my husband and I are progressives. And, of course, we talk about this stuff at home. And we're very much... Uh, open line of communication. But you know, so many of her friends are really, there's a lot of parents who don't have these conversations with their daughters, who don't have the conversation about, you know, safe sex and where to go to get, a, you know, go get on birth control, to seek information on, on, on um, how to get on birth control and how to get access to condoms. There's a lot of households who do not have those conversations with their teenagers. And it's, it's scary. And I think that for me, I'm glad that my daughter has the information and the access to information, things that I can connect her to, that hopefully she can spread to her friends at school because they're having these conversations, whether we like it or not, they're having these conversations at school. And it's better to have them with a well-informed teenager that has information and access to good information yeah. than to be you know, completely oblivious, thinking your child's never going to have sex. Yeah, and we were saying how lucky we are, obviously, to be in California. And, in to be, and to be in this great city of Los Angeles with great leaders such as yourself um, leading the way on progressive issues. But it's not in other states like my where my roots are in Oklahoma and Texas and Florida and basically the South. So do you think this is an issue that is really going to once again bring also like maternity uh, health rates are terrible in our country. They're the worst in the industrialized world. And this is only going to make it more dangerous uh, for women and especially women of color. So do you think this is going to once again galvanize women and, and black women and women of color? Absolutely. Women of color are pissed. Um, we, we feel that this is definitely a defining moment for for women of color across the country. We turned out in huge numbers in 2020. It's how President Biden got elected. Yeah. And we did it in the South. And we've been working. And in Georgia. Yes, in Georgia, and particularly in Georgia. And we have to save Georgia almost from itself, right? right. But we've got, we're working with um, uh, uh, women groups in Georgia now. We're working with women groups in Texas and in Florida. Uh, we're part of this huge network of people who are supporting, you know, Stacey Abrams in, in, in Georgia. I want to make sure we protect those two senators in Georgia as well. We want to flip Texas. And so the momentum is there. But honestly, I mean, the GOP is is working overtime to not only, only uh, you know, overturn Roe versus Wade, but to come after gay marriage and civil mm -hmm. rights. I mean, they're coming for all of us. Yeah, and they're rights voting rights. And, and, and I think that's what is scares me the most in some of these states, because we are organizing. The, the momentum is with the people. But these voting right restrictions that they've been so successful in implementing, I hope do not keep people from, from casting a ballot. And, and it doesn't diminish, diminish their power that I know that they have. So we have to continue to organize and, and lawyer up to be able to fight some of these outrageous civil rights um, atrocities that are happening, particularly in the South. Yeah, it's a really important point because we have a, a much steeper hill to climb. If, if it was a level playing field, we would blow them out of the water. But um, because this is a, a, a loud but small minority. What they did in, during gerrymandering in some of these states and how they're able to hold power because they are in power and I believe they're not the majority of this state, but since they're in power, they get to they get to mess with the lines 
and protect their seats and that's how they remain in power and that's how they pass these these outrageous laws so we got to fight back and continue to organize and continue to have faith and push forward but we will prevail thank you so much steve for for bringing all of that great sound and, and information um it's great for those of us who couldn't be at at a march to you know to get to get taken get a feel inside. for it yeah yeah, yeah. and thank you great. thank you for bringing julie on the show absolutely let's talk now um about our reasons for hope yeah well i'll i'll start because i already teased mine out i mean uh, my reason for hope really comes from being at the rally it was so empowering and uh and hopeful to be around all of those activists and volunteers um and and just you know brilliant people who have been working at this and organizing for so long i saw our friend emmy of course who organized who was one of the lead organizers of the march there uh, emiliana yeah. goreca who is runs women's march los angeles one um, of our first podcast guests one of our, our first, first podcast second, guests first or second i saw karen bass congresswoman karen bass who hopefully will be our next mayor if you're in the los angeles area listening to this and haven't voted yet your ballot is there make sure you mark it for karen bass um saw senator alex padilla who we'll hopefully have on soon but all you know all of these people are so inspiring and to just be mm -hmm. part of that community again especially coming sort of out of the pandemic and being at something like that again it really inspired me it fueled me and um and there is power in numbers it's just so important that we get out and and get in community with each other again doing this work especially at this time so that's what really gave me hope what about you mariah um what's giving me hope is that there is a new work of art that's on the national mall in Washington, D.C. today, um, a mural by a former foster youth in Kone Goodlow to celebrate National Foster Care Awareness Month, which is May. Um, mm. You can see, uh, if you're in D.C., you can stop by this week and check it out. It's uh, on the 6th Street gravel walk between 4th and 7th Streets on the mall, um, or you can find it online um, if you look for in Kone and the foster care awareness mural. Just a really powerful piece of art that um, highlights the obstacles so many children in our country face mm. and gives them a hopeful look at what's on the other side. And I think that that is a message and a hopefulness that all of us in or outside of the foster care community could use. So that's my reason for hope this week. That is so wonderful. And I'm so appreciative of all the artists and creators who um, who are part of the persistence and who really shine a light on, on all of these issues. The first thing fascists go after is the arts because they know how powerful and moving it is. So thank you for highlighting that. Thank all of you for joining us today. This is how we win. We win when all of us get involved and all the people that you know and the people that they know get involved. That's right. And we want to hear from you. We want you to send us an email at hello at howwewinpod.com. 
tweet to us at bluesboysteve or at mariah underscore craven and uh, again we are doubling our subscribers this is our may subscriber push so continue to share us with your friends share that link and we are raising money for our How We Win fund. The time to do that is now. That early money is important. So go to swingleft.org slash fundraise slash how we win and, uh, and donate what you can. Really appreciate you being here with us. And we'll be back with more next Wednesday. We're going to close today with just a little bit more from the Bands Off Our Body rally in Los Angeles, courtesy of the Los Angeles Gay Men's Choir. <laughs>